Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of The Leadership Window. I am Patrick Jinks, and I'm excited to have you here with us. I'm really excited about a guest of ours. She's a colleague, a friend, a coaching partner. And, uh, you know, one of the things in this podcast, if if you've uh, been following us for long, is that some of our episodes are global in nature. Uh, Some of them are just about leadership. Some of them about nonprofits. One of the things I wanted to do when I launched this podcast, because South Carolina is my home state, you will notice that a number of our episodes have featured South Carolina experts and leaders and practitioners and consultants and coaches. And the reason for that is because this is an this is a state that's extraordinarily rich in this and particularly uh, the area of the upstate or the area uh, around surrounding Greenville, South Carolina. If you you've probably heard of Greenville, South Carolina, because it's it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a cool deal. It's one of the greatest places to live in the country. And it is just really rich in talent. And uh, one of the things that makes it rich is our guest today, Fatima Gazala, who is a certified John Maxwell coach and trainer. She specializes in corporate training and teams and as well as individual assessments and coaching. Uh, her company is Full Potential Development Coaching. So she's uh, a leader after my own heart in that she is a coach. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, several Maxwell coaches on this program already. I'm a big believer in the John Maxwell philosophy on leadership. And I know that his coaches are cream of the crop. And uh, uh, Fatima and I have worked together in the past and talked a lot about our respective businesses and work that we're doing. And I just have a a tremendous amount of respect for her in what she's done with her business and what she is trying to do, particularly there locally. Uh, She really has a passion for not just running a business, but for really bringing value to her teams. And she's, she's coached and trained at companies like Michelin and Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, um, as well as a lot of local and small businesses. She has worked for a couple of global Fortune 500 companies, so she's got a lot of leadership experience to bring to the table. And if she's not training or meeting with you as a client, then she's probably spending time with her amazing, wonderful family, or maybe she's volunteering at the Rotary Club of Greenville. But uh, she's always looking for opportunities to learn, and I've learned a lot from her. Fatima, so thrilled that you're on the program with us. Welcome, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, as as it's been with most of our guests, if not all of them so far, Fatima, the the uh, I think the value of this, at least for me, maybe our listeners are getting value out of this as well. I hope so. But the value for me is that uh, we I get to share some of the amazing conversations that we already have or that I already have with friends and colleagues I get to share them with the rest of the world um, through this venue and this format. And you and I have just had some wonderful conversations. I think we clicked right off the bat because we, we shared so many uh, things in terms of our passion and our 
uh, our appetite for learning was one of the things Mm -hmm. that I think you and I shared. And so I've just always been impressed with what you're doing and how you do it. Um, I just, I love your person and, and how you, how you project uh, value out into the world. So I'm really thrilled. You know, I will probably start where we usually start. Uh, I mentioned full potential development. That's your coaching company. I mentioned John Maxwell, but uh, the stories about how people get to this place are always interesting to me. I'd love to hear how you got to this place of running your own business and helping big corporations and small businesses alike perform at a high level, particularly with teams. So how did you get to this place? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, your leadership journey, and uh, a little bit about the company today. Yes, you know, um, many years ago, um, I studied pharmacy. So I'm a pharmacist, studied back in France. Um, This is how I started my career in the pharmaceutical industry, started working for Abbott Laboratories. Mm. Um, This is what brought me to the U.S. with my husband uh, many years ago. Uh, relocated to their um, headquarter here from the, the French office there. Um, one of the, so I, I just loved the career I had, like 15 years, mostly with Abbott. And then I worked a little bit for uh, the Coca-Cola company, uh, leading teams, uh, not only based in either France when I was there or the U.S., but also teams, um, you know, global teams, teams based uh, a little bit everywhere. Um, I loved every single um, um, moment of it. Um, I love the travel. I love the meeting the people. Um, and um, for 15 years, this is what I did. And I realized that my last year in the corporate world, um, I realized I was stuck, uh, meaning that I was not able to accomplish the things Uh, that were expected from me. I was not able to accomplish the things I thought I could accomplish very easily. Um, My job was not a source of pleasure anymore. And I realized that I was just stuck and struggling. I didn't like and enjoy what I was doing anymore. And I didn't like the environment I was doing it in. Um, And I just realized that um, like like a lot of people around, you know, in, in, in the corporate world, I was blaming it on everything. My managers, the company, the culture, everything. And um, I realized one day that the main reason I was stuck uh, and I was all of a sudden not that, you know, uh, you know, that star that was put on all of this, uh, you know, Uh, uh, development programs and was being promoted. And uh, the only reason I was not there anymore is because of me. I realized one day that I was looking every single day in the mirror to the main reason why I was absolutely not liking what I was doing. I was stuck. Um, And I realized that um, I cannot ask my managers, my colleagues, HR, my company um, to help me bring the best of myself. I had to do that. But in order to do that, I had to really understand uh, me. I had to bring my self-awareness to the next level. So I started being very curious about what is leadership? Um, I remember being in a meeting where um, uh, there, there, there was one of our top leaders in the organization at that time. And we were talking and everyone was presenting their part on a very important project. And there was, you know, as I said, this top leader who was listening to all the aspects of this very important project. And I realized all of a sudden that everything that was going wrong 
was the fault of someone who was not sitting there. Someone who was part of each of our teams. Like there was always someone who was to blame for something that was not going right. And all of a sudden, I looked at that leader and I realized I don't want to be them. I don't want to work for them. I don't want to be, you know how you're asked a lot of times when you join a company, where do you see yourself? And (laughs) we all want to, you know, we all, or during the, um, uh, talent management discussions, we are all put in these boxes, like we're going to replace someone. And I realized that I don't want to replace any of these people. Mm. I don't want to be there anymore. So this is when I realized that if I wanted to understand what is leadership, what is the leadership that will make me wake up in the morning excited to go to my job look like? Um, so I did some of free, so I did a lot of research actually, and I ended up um, discovering the John Maxwell organization. Um, I signed up immediately and I started being trained and I'll always remember my first, the first time I met John Maxwell in person, I just knew exactly that it was not a coincidence that I was there. This is exactly the type of things I was looking for. Those are the type of leadership lessons and philosophy that I was looking for, not only from my, for me personally, like for, for I'm sorry, for, for my, by my job, for me professionally, but for me personally as well. Uh, one of our um, John Maxwell mentors, uh, Paul Martinelli, always says, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. The day I started, and it's a journey, I'm still not, you know, I'm still very, very far from really discovering everything when it comes to leadership. It's a journey. But the day I started this journey, not only my professional life changed, but my personal life too. I just realized that leadership is not something, it's not a title that we put or have that we put on when we go to the office in the morning or when we start our uh, day. It's what we do every single day with our kids, with the person um, that we meet um, when we go in a store, uh, with our neighbors, uh, every single interaction. Uh, what type of leader? What what type of leader do you uh, do you bring out? And one other thing that John Maxwell says: John Maxwell says that you have two type of people when they come in a room, the people who bring the light, and the people who take out the light. <laughs> and I realize that no matter where, professionally, personally, any single interaction, what I wanted to do is be that person who brings the light in the room, not the other way around. So, um, so with that, when I left the corporate world, um, I was still not sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something with my learning, with my tea. Like I wanted to take it to other people. Um, in, in that process, we also moved. We moved um, here to South Carolina, to Greenville, South Carolina. And I remember opening boxes of books. And I realized I found a lot of leadership books, a lot of binders full of training, leadership training, communication, influence, effective lead, like a bunch of them. I couldn't remember one single training of those. The only thing I could remember were the very fancy hotels. And I could also remember the ones where I had to leave the office for a week and coming back and being so frustrated because I was very much behind. But I couldn't remember one single training of those. This is when I realized that training is useless. If people don't remember it, 
if we do not give them the space, if, if a leader, if an organization uh, decides to train their people, they take them to training, bring them back to the office, it's the same old, they've wasted time and money. Um, and a lot of these trainings, this is what happened with, I couldn't, I couldn't remember any of those things. So I was looking at books that with my new awareness, I was very impressed that I had, but I, I had no idea how I got them. Um, so this is when, as this idea of the full potential, uh, full potential development company started, um, I did not want to be that training. That's a pain. That's a waste of time and resources. I wanted to be the person who makes a real difference within the organization, but for each individual. I want people to leave and say, wow, this is one thing that I'll start applying with my kids, with my spouse. Um, that's the one thing that, I'll, that I'm going to start applying with people around me. Um, so this is how full potential development started. And uh, here we are almost, uh, it's going to be three years now. Wow. Wow, three years. Congratulations. Almost three years. Yeah, Almost. in March, it's yeah. going to be three years. Well, I'll congratulate you early and congratulate you on the <laughs> just the journey. It's been incredible. Um, I think we met a couple of years ago. You had really just started the business. And mm -hmm. uh, boy, how, how it's just really taken off. Fatima, you said so many things in that story that I, I'm sitting here taking notes going, oh, oh my gosh, that's rich. I want to talk about that. Oh, I want to talk about that. Um, let me start with this. What I love most about this setup that you just gave is the personal accountability you took to say it's what's the old, the old dateline. It's not you, it's me. Um, you took that philosophy and said, it's not somebody else. It's me. I, I have to come to grips with who I am and what drives me and why I'm not thriving and fulfilled right now. I have to take control of that because it's, it, that's on me. And I, I love that. It's a major tenet of leadership in my own leadership philosophy and experience. And I just, I love that you said it. Um, uh, you and I both know, uh, and as do a lot of our listeners, Marshall Goldsmith, I talk about him a lot and his, you know, when he, when he talks about employee engagement and the surveys and things, it's not, well, you know, did your, does your boss treat you well? And are you paid? Well, it's, do I bring my best mm -hmm. <laughs> to the, to the experience? Do, what do I do to enhance my relationship with my immediate supervisor? What am I doing to bring value to a team and to lift others and to develop other leaders? So I just love that. The second thing I, I want to make sure everybody knows, because we've had, I don't know, you're the fourth or fifth John Maxwell coach in, in this young life of this podcast. Now this is episode 23. Uh, I just happen to know a number of you. Um, and you're all, you, so for those of you that are listening, I'm not a John Maxwell certified coach. I'm not paid to bring John Maxwell coaches on the program and endorse John Maxwell, although you've heard a lot about him, but I am somewhat a disciple of his teachings because he just, he just nails it. He makes it simple. He makes it real. Um, he makes it passionate. I mean, if there, if you had to buy one leadership book in your life, I would say get the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. This is what back in the early nineties, I think that he wrote it seminal work on leadership, simple as it gets. 
and yet as deep as it gets. So I do love the philosophy. Leadership in, in Maxwell's terms is just influence. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's influence, which is what you're talking about when you say mm-hmm. you're yes. always on. It's your neighborhood and it's your community and it's your company. So uh, I just want everybody to know. I just happen to know a lot of, uh, I like to, you know, hang around people I can learn from. And uh, I learn a lot from Maxwell coaches because they're, they, I mean, a Maxwell coach, uh, for any of our listeners, if you've got a business and, and are looking for someone to help you come in and work with a team and light them up and, and, and as you say, meet them where they are, uh, Fatima is such a go-to, uh, full potential development is such a go-to for that because, Again, Maxwell's content is some of the best of the best. Third thing, quickly, um, when you're talking about training and how you went to these conferences and things and you you walk out and, and a year later or whenever it is, you, you open the binders, you don't remember any of it. Um, I think that's so spot on. I think most of our listeners could probably relate to that. I can relate to that. And it refers to your philosophy on training, which you promote and you publish on your website and other materials, that training isn't about the content. It's not just about a great speaker who has a great format and PowerPoint slides and really neat tenets. It's about meeting the employees where they are in their learning journey. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to send a bunch of people to a conference. We used to do this at United Way. We'd pick, you know, uh, the national conference. We'd pick as many staff people as our budget would allow to go. We'd send them to the conference. And part of the value was, you know, let's, let's give them an exposure to something bigger than our local United Way. But we had to really think about the intentionality around who do we want to go and what do we want them to get out of this training? So it's understanding where your employees are in their learning journey. Then you can help them identify what they need to do in order to prove, uh, improve their results. And that is just a wonderful uh, philosophy and it leads me to my next question for you, <laughs> because uh, you also made me think about research I've seen where leadership development and training programs and companies don't work, right? There's research out there that says they don't. Well, some of them don't. Many of them don't. Maybe most of them don't, but some of them do. And, and, and yours do. And what I want to know is what is it about your training and development, your philosophy on training and development, this statement probably touches on it some, how do you make your training and development stick? How do you help companies and corporations walk out of experiences with you and not just say, okay, did it, got the certificate, now it's back to work? Um, how do you, how do you do that? What, what would you say are the key tenets of making it something that you carry with you and can actually apply? Well, it starts, the first thing is that um, I do not have like ready to sell packages and it's not about selling something to a company. Really, when I um, when I start having those discussions with a leader or the HR department of a company, uh, when I sit with these people, I really try to understand what's going on in this company. Mm. Um, I ask them questions to understand what are the big challenges? What are their goals? Where are they trying to go? Um, what are the things that are keeping them away from that? I mean, really coaching questions mm-hmm. um, that allow me to understand a little bit more what's going on there. Um, usually the start of the program um, is not about saying, oh, then you need to be, uh, you know, then you need a training on communication or effective leadership. Okay, someone needs to tell me what this effective leadership is because effective leadership, you know, how we 
throw this word like yeah. I'm effective leader or I'm <laughs> looking for effective leadership training. It doesn't mean anything because effective leadership for your organization is going to be different from another organization. What type of people do you know, do you, do you need right now in your organization to take your organization from this point to that point? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important to understand that and for the leaders to understand. Because sometimes I hear leaders just tell me, I just want them to be better. Okay, in what sense? And just going down this question line to understand exactly what's the issue. A lot of time, the issue is communication. But communication is such a broad like subject. It can mean everything mm -hmm. and anything. Like communication, it can be um, in a place where people don't talk enough. Um, in another place, it can be that they do not know how to talk together or they don't come. So what does it mean? Um, that's exactly the reason why um, the way we do start, and a lot of the John Maxwell coaches do that, we have assessment tools. We do sit with teams um, and we have um, a tool that we do sit with teams and actually we do spend, it takes a couple of hours. Uh, it's a really fun um, activity that I usually, um, that's my starting point. I usually do not, I'm not able to tell the company anything about like, just give me a plan. I cannot give you a plan until I understand what's going on. Um, so I do sit with the team. It takes a couple of hours. It's called uh, the John Maxwell leadership game. It's an actual game where they sit and have it. And, and at the end of these two hours, we are able, we have our fingers on the three top challenges, what needs to happen in for this team and within this team um, after two hours, it's it's very clear to me, but it's not important that it's clear to me. It's clear to them. Like, I don't have to convince. Sometimes the leader would say, can I sit? Um, can I sit and, um, and listen during the sessions? And that's perfectly fine. There's some um, caveats around it. You know, um, I need to make sure that, uh, you know, that the, the entire team understands that they're not judged based on what they're saying. And as we ask questions, little by little, they open up. And as we go through, and a lot of those are coaching uh, questions around different aspects of working together, the organization, the goals, communication. And really, we end up um, so eye-opening. I love the debriefing of these sessions because leaders usually sit and look at these three top things and are like, wow. If I, um, I'll always remember, like there was one example I worked with, um, a team. So it, it's, it's, and, and that works for anyone. It doesn't, you know, have to be this high level, uh, you know, um, uh, high level um, office people. I did this activity with actually at a, manuf a very small manufacturing site. Uh, they were about like 30 people. So we had them in um, uh, three different teams. And really when I was called uh, by the HR person, what they said is that something just not working. We don't know what it is. We have a very, very, very high turnover. We know, I mean, it's the, um, you know, the, the, the entire industry suffers from that. But there's something about, like, we have signs in the street. We pay more than any other manufacturing site in the area, but it's just not working. And during these sessions, um, so not only we're able to identify what's going on, but we're also able to um, have some actual action 
um, uh, items that the leaders are able to start implementing. One of the examples is that when, at that manufacturing site, uh, when people, um, when people uh, come in, there's not a lot of importance given to making sure that they have like, uh, you know, their think with their, where their, 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 um, uh, their little uniform with their name uh, on it. And it's one thing that people just think, you know, a lot of the um, employees who come in, they just think that it's not, they don't feel very welcome. Like they come in, no one really knows their name. No one really talks to them because they weren't introduced to anyone. So they sit there for two, three days and then they disappear. They go and work somewhere else. So um, this, for example, was an eye-opener for, um, it's, not, it's not a very expensive measure to implement, making sure that the person who comes in is introduced to everyone, uh, making sure that they have their little uniform with their name um, so that, uh, you know, because with their name on, um, it's easier for others to go and talk to them, uh, making sure that there's, uh, that they have like one buddy, for example, who's going to help them. Like people would come in, they wouldn't even know where the restrooms are. And they're expected to start working whatever they're going to be doing um, that day. Um, and again, as I said, I think they had like 60% of the people after three days would not come back. So those are small things that they started implementing. So this type of activity allows leaders to really understand first what's going on and then to start putting some small action items that would allow them to improve the work environment. Um, once this is done, then we can talk about longer term uh, because there are so those were short term, very quickly, uh, you know, some, some measures that um, can be put very quickly uh, or implemented very quickly. But then there's the longer term um, where we use a very, very efficient, um, um, very efficient other tool uh, called the mastermind. So really the mastermind is a way to bring together teams. So instead of having a team sit for half a day or a day of training, um, listening, you know, to me talking or bring whoever talk for a whole day and then they have to go back, uh, we kind of cut that into an hour to an hour and a half because this is how long people are going to, you know, really pay attention. And so the point is that we have different sessions and, uh, you, you know, we agree with the, with the leader uh, and the HR department about um, how often, you know, depending on really what's going on in the organization, usually it's every, uh, uh, every other week. Um, and some organizations just say, just say, you know what, we're just going to do it at lunchtime because we don't really have the time to do it at another moment. Uh, so the team comes together and we kind of agree if it's communication, for example, uh, it's uh, the program or the discussion is going to be based off everyone communicates, you connect um, the book from John Maxwell. So all of the John Maxwell books are, or most of them, uh, this is what we use, you know, as for our training um, through like a, a mastermind group. Uh, becoming a person of influence and is another great one that uh, has been very eye-opening for organizations. So we have, um, we have the team go through some of the content so they have to kind of go through some of the content. And then we have questions where we are able to really have meaningful discussions about what did we implement from last time? What did we observe when we started implementing that? Uh, what did work? What didn't work? What are the things that we're going to do differently? And as we build um, session after session, 
it usually lasts for like between six months to 12 months, depending on the organizations and the type of things that we cover. All of that is agreed in advance. Um, at the end of the six months or at the end of the year, um, we really realize that the person, every single person has, you know, it's like building up. I did this and then I saw that it had very positive um, effects around me or, you know, I improved my relationship with my colleagues. I'm happier when I go to work. Um, and little by little, we kind of implement and add on what we're implementing. With one of the organizations, this actually, we had implemented um, a mastermind. And after six months, um, the leader just ended up making a whole change in the organization because through that process, the leader was able to identify um, some emerging leaders who were very quiet. So they, they had no idea what they were capable of. But because of the change and because of what this, um, I remember that young leader, we were, um, the, 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 the CEO of the organization was so impressed because that leader was coming really prepared. And it takes, you know, it doesn't, I'm not saying that the training itself is going to be, I mean, that's not magic. It's not going to make miracles if the person doesn't want to. But they're the people, the employees who take it really seriously, so that employee, for example, was very quiet and, you know, was just the average employee ended up being promoted at the end of that because they started implementing things little by little by little. And I was very, very impressed uh, when I went back for the last debrief where the CEO just said, you know, such and such, we just promoted her because she has just shown us uh, that she just learned and implemented and is a transformed person. So I think that it's really assessments. Um, so I talked about the um, I talked about the uh, this activity, the John Maxwell leadership game. There's also the disc. We can talk about it a little bit later as well. Uh, understanding who we are, where we are, understanding if there are small things that we can start implementing, and then kind of understand what else do we need to do and put that plan so that at the end of whatever period of time, whatever training we agree to do, uh, people have actually implemented some of the things, are trying, are transformed different people. Um, because this is really, I mean, again, as I, as you know, you said that it's on my website, I'm a strong believer. It's not about the content. I can talk to someone for days and days and days and days. If they do not, uh, kind of really grasp that content and um, transform it into action, uh, if they don't implement, if they don't start, if they don't become the change, if not, each single person doesn't become the change, nothing is going to change within that organization, no matter how many trainings you can put through. Yeah, well, we're sitting here, you know, in uh, almost mid-January now, and I'm wondering how many uh, people have already failed on their New Year's resolutions? Because they're great. I mean, we go into it going, oh, I need to do this and I should do that. And I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do better at that. And before long, it's not done. And it it comes down to we didn't do it. It's really that simple. You you hit on three uh, really foundations of coaching, Fatima. And I know you know this, but to, if I can put this together um, in another lens for our listeners, Coaching is coaching, whether it's a team, a group, a board, a staff, an individual. Um, you start with assessment. You start with what is it that we, what is it not only that we need, but what do we want 
Uh, one of the questions I love to ask at any meeting really is why are we having this meeting? And another way I like to say that is what do we want to walk away from this meeting having achieved, not having talked about, not what topics do we want to discuss, but what are the objectives? The same goes with training and development. I love that you do this with your clients when they ask you, Hey, can you come do some leadership training for us? Well, sure. Um, you could talk in your sleep for three weeks about leadership, but that's not going to get the job done unless you know that what you're delivering is addressing a particular gap or, and, or a particular aspiration that they can articulate, that they can envision and Mm -hmm. see, this is what we want. This is what we have today. This is what we want. This is how we want it to be different. Well, now we can start coaching. The second uh, foundation uh, it was the, the small successes you talked about. Because interestingly enough, I know you know this, the big goals and challenges and habit changes, they boil down to little tiny actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're big concepts, but they're little behaviors. And a lot of my coachees get uh, a little surprised by this, a little taken back by this when I'm coaching them and they're talking about this big, you know, I want to communicate better. And like you said, well, what does that, what do you mean communicate better? Was something wrong with your communication? Do you not speak well? Do you not write well? Are people not getting your messages? Are you, what's the problem? Well, when, when you start to get it down, it's, well, I'm a little, you know, either, either they're verbose or they don't speak up or um, you know, no one's replying to their emails probably because their emails are too long and filled full of jargon. When we get down to it and they start practicing new email templates and they start practicing speaking up in meetings intentionally, or they start practicing, uh, taking what it is they want to say and boiling it down to one sentence in order to make it more succinct. And they're like, Oh, so it's that simple. Yeah. If you're behaving this way, but you want to be behaving this way, you just got to start somewhere and you start in this small place. So I love that you do that. Uh, Find the small actions that can lead you. And then the third foundation that you really uh, sandwich this in between or bookend it rather is uh, follow up. There has to be some accountability. There has to be, you called it a debrief or coming back six months or a year later. What did we do? And it's that accountability that really makes it happen. Self-accountability as well as there's a shared accountability and a distributed leadership on teams that says, all right, this was my part. This was your part. This is what we said we would do. How did we do? And you call it out. So I love those. Those are, those are three really foundational things about coaching. And I think it's good for our listeners. If you're a manager just, just a manager, whether it's a, in, in a financial institution, a manufacturing institution, a sales department, and you want to become a better coach, you could take those three tenants that, that Fatima, that you just shared, a set, what, what is it you want? Get specific. Uh, what are the small action steps you can take and how do you follow up for accountability? Uh, try that with your employees. <laughs> you know, it's a whole different mindset. When you do that, boy, this is, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, Patrick, I was just going to say about coaching. A lot of people don't understand what coaching is, right. uh, including coaches. Um, <laughs> I'll always remember um, I was promoted when I was still in the corporate world. I was promoted to a new position and um, my manager said, oh, well, we're having this, um, you know, we, we're having this coach. Uh, we've been, you know, she's very familiar with our organization, our team. She knows everything and she's going to start working with you. And I remember having one session with this 
coach. Uh, yeah. um, and that person was mostly, so she knew a lot about my new team, the people I was going to start working with. So she was giving me all the things that she knew. And at the end of that session, I realized when I was, when she said, oh, just, um, just send me an email when you want us to meet next. And I was thinking, and I wasn't really aware of what coaching was at that time. But the only thing I knew was that that was more of a gossip session than a coaching session. Mm. Uh, because a lot of people get it wrong. Coaching is not about preparing me by telling me all the things that are not going well in my team. No, coaching is about now that I know what I know, it would have helped me and positioned me really for success if I had a better understanding of, or if that I've had really worked with a real coach who really knew what coaching is. And I think a lot of people misunderstand coaching. It becomes about telling people rather than take, taking people through the journey of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get that wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, it's, um, it's a challenge and there's different kinds of coaches too and different kind of coaching, but, uh, but you're right. We, the way we describe it in our business is that coaching draws out and elevates the best thinking of the coachee, not the coach. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about drawing out and elevating your best thinking, not the coach's best thinking. And, and, um, it's tough because as a coach, I have stories, I have leadership experiences. I have things I feel like I've learned that are worthy of passing on. You got to resist the temptation to do that, uh, or at least resist the temptation to let that be the foundation or the domination of a coaching experience with someone. Sure. Share the stories and the, and the advice, but it's really more about that discovery co-creating the solutions, uh, mm -hmm. is another thing that we all, all often call it. Um, speaking of co-creating, one of the things that I know that we've talked about that's important to you is building a network inside your own organization. And there's really sort of, as I'm thinking about it, two, two directions for this. One is as an individual employee, no matter what your role is, how high or low you are on the org chart, take responsibility, as you say, and develop mm -hmm. your network, like be proactive, take it, you know, take some initiative and try to develop relationships, build a network. But there's also what you talked about, the company leaders intentionally helping people create networks, providing for them mentors, for example, onboarding them effectively and property, properly shaping a path for them to create their own networks. Talk a, a little bit about that. Talk about, you know, sort of the, where those two meet, where, where, you know, the individual is working on it, but the company is also making it easy for them to work on it. And why is that so important? Why do you say it's so important to build a network within your own organization? I think that a lot of times um, what does not help organizations is that we have these big goals and we have all the resources uh, we have lined up all the resources. Everything is lined up to achieve the goals. Um, but then um, some leaders do not put enough efforts into building, helping people build um, build those relationships. You know, you just said it like um, what um, at the beginning of the podcast, um, John Maxwell, really the way he defines leadership, he says leadership is influence. You can have the best ideas in the world. Um, if you do not have influence, these ideas will go nowhere in the organization. And I'm sure that yourself, myself, um, listeners have 
experience at least once in their professional life, sitting in a meeting, having two people who say exactly the same thing. One person is listened to and the other person mm-hmm. is ignored. Yeah. We all know in our organization that person who's ignored, their ideas never go anywhere. And we all know that person whose ideas are always listened to no matter what they say. This is actually not because, you know, um, you know, that person is luckier. This is because of influence. So helping your team members, helping your employees build influence, but influence that's going to help them achieve the results that you need them to achieve in the organization um, is so important. And um, I think that it has to come from the leaders. It has to come from up. Um, I talked about the disc a little bit, and I think this is where it comes into place where, uh, you know, you have the self-assessment uh, or self, self-awareness, self where you understand who you are, but you also understand what's your style, what motivates you, uh, how you communicate, but you also understand the people around you. Mm-hmm. And then um, you understand what you bring to the team, but you also understand what they bring to the team. You understand your role really clearly, but you understand what their role is. And I think leaders should help their um, team members build those relationships based on who I am and who you are and how can we meet somewhere in between to achieve these goals. Yeah, I think you're Um, right. When we we do DISC and teach about DISC, and I know you do this, DISC, by the way, D-I-S-C, it's an assessment. Uh, the mm-hmm. letters we won't we won't get into it, but the letters each stand for a, a key uh, sort of approach to leadership or behavioral approach to leadership. But there's the, any number of these assessments: Myers Briggs, Firo B, Hogan, Disc, call it what you want, Enneagram. They they all have that shared value, which is it's great to know yourself and 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 be a little bit more aware about um, how you're projecting to others. But the key as a leader is to understand everybody else's profiles and assessments and why mm-hmm. they are the letter, the, why they profiled as the letter or the color or the whatever. And I know people don't like to be relegated to a letter or a color, uh, but it does. Th- these assessments are valid and reliable. They're researched. They're yes. they're proven to be accurate for the most part. And it's about leaders being able to meet people where they are, not say, well, I'm this. And so everyone needs to behave like me and act like me and understand me. An effective leader knows, oh, I'm working with someone who doesn't profile like I profile. They Mm -hmm. think differently. Uh, God forbid someone should think differently than me. Uh, (laughs) They think differently. They They respond differently. How do I get the best out of them? And that really is... The, the key to it in any of these assessments that we use. Um, yeah. But you're hitting I, you on it. It's, said, re- it's relationship, right? It, it is. Yeah. And you said something important. Um, I think, yeah, people don't like to be labeled. The reality is that if leaders position, how do leaders position these assessments? Do you position it as something where you're going to stand in a, sit in a meeting room and just say, Hey, you're, you know, you know that they're blue. You have to uh, yeah, do this right. with them. <laughs> or are you going to use it? in a constructive way to help people uh, work better together. You know, I'll, I'll um, again, 
you know, an example from my uh, corporate world that I wish, in a way, I keep saying that I wish I had known these things before, but if I had known these things before, I wouldn't be where I am today. That's so right. I'm definitely uh, glad that I didn't know them at that time. Um, I remember um, transitioning from working uh, with uh, with a manager who I respected and liked a lot uh, to, to someone who I ended up labeling like, I do not like them. Um, the reality is that, so, uh, you know, our our profiles are so opposite and our profiles are done in a way that I have to make extra effort to get along with them and the other way around. And I remember thinking the first day meeting with my new manager thinking, they don't like me. Mm. And you know what? I don't like them either. And so starting um, work relationships this way, instead of thinking, you know what? It's not that they don't like me, it's that they are wired in a certain way that when they say this thing to me, it comes across as this because I'm wired a certain way. So put putting the right terminology around it, that takes it away from they don't like me, I don't like them, I don't want to work for them, and I'm looking for a different job. And them thinking that they've never managed someone as as awful as we are. So I think it just puts things into perspective and it helps people understand why certain things uh, resonate this way to them or to me. And I think it's very, very important for leaders to um, uh, to, to to help um, uh, their employees understand that. Boy, framing is everything and you just nailed it. So, you know, the words we use matter. Um, and when, and when, so when you make the assumption that somebody doesn't like you, Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, you might be right. You might also very well be wrong or the dislike for you or lack of like for you is really just a matter of, they don't know you. Um, the number one reason people don't trust someone is that they don't know that someone. It's not that that someone is a bad person or has burned them in the past or, or any, it's just that I don't know you well enough to trust you. So get to know your people. The, the number one driver of employee engagement in year after year after year with Gallup and Sherm and, and these others that do these, uh, these global assessments, top driver of engagement most every year is an employee's relationship with their immediate supervisor. It's not the job, it's not the pay, it's not the parking space or the medical benefits, it's the relationship with the immediate supervisor. So why not work on that from, again, from both ends, the supervisor has to work on it, the leader has to work on it, the the employee certainly has to work on that. But uh, I love it, it could just be that you just don't get each other. And once you get each other, then, I mean, how many people have we had in our lives where we didn't like at first, but then we ended up really liking them? Mm-hmm. It's because we didn't know them or vice versa. I've had people do that to me too. So, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, I, I kind of didn't like you at first. And that stings. You're like, well, how <laughs> could you not like me? What, who, what is wrong with you? Uh, but then they say, you know, it's just, I didn't know you. I read something the wrong way and I've kind of watched you and I've experienced with you now. And, and I, I see things differently through a different light. We have to give ourselves that chance to see others through, through a lens, give it time and, and mm-hmm. opportunity and give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, 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 that's so good. What else did you, would you say you learned you, you spent before you launched the business, you worked for a couple of global fortune 500 companies, as you've mentioned. Um, what are, what are the things, you know, maybe one or two more top things you learned about leadership in that experience that helped prepare you for helping train leaders today? 
Yes, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, the people I've learned or leaders um, I've learned from the most. Um, I'll always remember, so as I said, I studied pharmacy back in France, um, went to ph pharmacy school back in France. And uh, during my um, uh, studying years, I worked um, at a pharmacy on a, you know, on, on a regular basis. And I remember um, sometimes um, being very frustrated with something that I would see someone do. And um, the the owner of the pharmacy, um, who I'm, I'm so glad to still, you know, still be in touch with and call a friend all these years, um, after all these years, um, I remember one of the first things he told me. He said, Fatima, you will never, um, you'll never have the perfect person in front of you in an organization. As a leader, your role is to bring the best of each person. Because I remember sometimes I would sit there and see, he saw what I saw and he's putting up with that behavior. <laughs> and it, it must have been so obvious on my, in my, on my face because one day, um, you know, we had that great discussion where he said, you know, you will not find the perfect person. And what I do is that I try to just bring the best of each person. There are mm. a lot of behaviors here that I don't see, uh, that I don't like, that I see and I don't like. But there are also a lot of things that I love about this team. Mm. So I prefer to bring up the best and um, to kind of help them put aside or um, lessen those things that I don't really like here. And um, um, he is extremely, extremely successful now. You know, he has um, uh, several pharmacies um, back in back in Paris. And so it's someone who's extremely successful in managing people. But that was the one lesson that I learned with him back then. Um, bring the best of the people. Um, one of the thing I, uh, one of the things that I tell teams or people I coach within organizations, especially the people who are, because um, a lot of times, you know, uh, leaders wait until a member of their team is really fed up and really not doing well to start coaching, uh, to start um, having them help with coaching. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times when I start coaching this one-on-one -on -one individuals in an organization, they're just ready to leave. Uh, and one of the first things that I tell them when they start complaining about all the things that different people uh, are doing, I'm like, you have to remember, there is not one person who wakes up in the morning and thinks that they will be the worst employee of the day. People come with their best intentions. Now there are things that happen in the organization that make them uh, either um, uh, really do great and be a great um, uh, influence and a positive impact. There are things that uh, make them uh, really appear to be this person who came in the morning deciding that they'll be the worst employee of the day. And I think it's so important. Like leadership is a huge responsibility. Leadership is not about being the most knowledgeable person. Leadership is about being able to help people manage through the best and the worst. Um, and and this, this is a lesson really and something that I tell people as I take a step back, no one came this morning thinking that there'll be a pain or thinking that they want to bother you or thinking that they want to make you have your worst day ever. Take a step back, whatever situation you went through that day, let's talk about it and see what are you going to do differently next time to put yourself in a better situation. Uh, the other lesson, again, is that I think I spent years and years, whenever something was wrong, blaming, you know, my manager, my coworker, my, and I think that 
you have to take a step back and understand um, if it's like, for example, um, it's same thing with, with with my kids and my family. When I when you look at someone and say you made me do it, then something is wrong. Then you are not you're just giving away the responsibility to improve your circumstances. That's a good way of putting and it. You're giving you can, up something yeah. when you do that. That's good. You you give it away, and then there, there's no space for you to complain that things are not doing well once you have put that responsibility for turning things for the best for you into someone else's hand. So mm. take your courage and be like, you know what? Yeah, I had no. And I look at some of the times where I was absolutely not where things absolutely not went the way I wanted them to. And I look back and I just think that was a lack of self-awareness. Uh, a lot of times it was a lack of self-awareness. Well, the other thing is leaders that we need to remember you're, you're talking about perspective and putting things in perspective mm -hmm. and we do look for perfection a lot and we fail to pause frequently enough and say, where have I failed in my whole life and career? <laughs> like, am I perfect? Who gave me a second chance? You know, when, when was mercy, when did mercy supersede justice for me? Uh, and that's some, that's often I, I do that. If I, if I can remind myself of that, it helps me be not only be more tolerant of other people, but mm -hmm. to take it from the standpoint of how can I bring the best out of that person? Not why am I seeing the worst in this person? So yes. I love it. It's all perspective. So you give us a little clue into your experiences, um, as we, and boy, Fatima, this is so great. We could, we could go on and on for hours on this content, uh, cause I know you're passionate about it. I love hearing about it. Um, but a question that I like to ask all my guests, because I'm always curious who, who are maybe one or two of the leaders in your early life or career that you would say have helped shape your philosophies and views on leadership and, and why maybe tell us about one or two of them. Yeah, so, you know, I talked about that first, really the first um, leader I had, uh, the pharmacist I worked with, um, and really uh, being very calm, like up to today, when there are situations where um, I cannot get, you know, things I'm not understanding or I'm trying to, then I remember how calm, how like that taking that step back. I think that that was a great, um, definitely I learned a lot from him from that perspective. Um, and then another leader who actually um, uh, has been my manager for years at the beginning of my corporate ca career, uh, we're still, uh, that leader is retired now. We're still friends. We talk on a regular basis. Um, and uh, so I had my two children while reporting to that leader. And uh, for me, like one of the things I remember, because um, it's, it's always very awkward, you know, when you are, uh, you know, when you have family and um, you have to kind of prove yourself and prove that you can put all these hours in work. I mean, we always have this feeling that we that like we have to show like some people are like well I didn't get a chance to do this this because I was working and and that leader helped me again understand that going back to the one thing now that I, I think about is the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. Mm -hmm. If I'm not able to give time to my family, if I'm not able to be organized so that I do the things at home that matter the most to myself and my family how would I be organized enough 
to help others uh, see clearly through their schedules and priorities and conflicting priorities. Um, and I remember that leader told me one day when I was trying to kind of, you know, still juggling the um, beginning of motherhood um, and being, um, uh, you know, very busy leader in, in the corporate world. She said, you know, all these people that you see every single day in this office, well, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, you'll not even remember their names and you will not remember yours. The one person who will remember in 50, 60, 70 years what, you, what you're doing today is your child. Just remember that. And I, and I remember that was so powerful and so eye-opening, especially coming from my manager. Um, and I think that that was something um, uh, that, that, that still resonates with me today. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, well, Fatima, I, I can tell that you have embraced those philosophies and concepts and you live them. You're, you're one of the most authentic people and leaders that I've met. I'm inspired by you. Uh, I learned from you here again today. Just great stuff. Um, thank you for what you do. Thank you for coming on the show. I do want to ask one final question uh, that I like to also ask everybody. And that is, if you had 15 seconds if you had one sentence, if you had one sort of the, the Fatima Ghazala number one tenet of leadership that all leaders should know, what would you say that is? Know yourself and understand what is it that you need to work on to mm. improve your circumstances before you ask others or you ask your circumstances to change. And I think that that's, that's an important, no matter what, pro professional life, personal life, know yourself know what is it that you need to work on before asking others or asking things around you to change that's or blaming others i love that because you know yeah it comes with a personal accountability but it, that's also an, a very empowering statement to say i actually have control over this i yes. can i can change this i can do this it's all about me fatima thank you so much uh i look forward to amazing wonderful things for you in 2021 uh, we'll continue to stay in touch and um, thank you for sharing so generously with our listeners today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thank you. Well, folks, that's the leadership window in the Jinx perspective for this week. Uh, stay tuned with us. Got another great guest next week. Going to talk about an amazing new book that's coming out in March that you're going to want. Until then, lead on. Lead on.